Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. How many of y'all love fast food? You're willing to admit you're a fast food junkie. They say, they say that to be a, a, fat, a, a fast food regular, you have to get it between about five to eight times per week. How many of y'all think you maybe, maybe that's you? you know, you're willing to admit that? I think that's me. Well, here are some hard facts, some inconvenient truths, not just about fast food, but about a lot of things that maybe you take for granted. First inconvenient truth is that the average fast food consumer swallows 100,000 hairs per year. I mean, when, when you really, I had, to, I had to like triple check multiple sources on this one because like, there's no way, there's no way. That's facts, that's facts. 100,000 hairs. Next one is that U.S. regulators allow for up to 90 insect fragments per 100 gram sample of food that is produced and sold. So according to the U.S. government, there is an acceptable level of insect fragments that can be in your food. That, that's, pretty, that's pretty disgusting. You know, we have maybe 80, 90 some students here tonight. Within the next hour, this one was hard for me. The average human will lose 30,000 to 40,000 dead skin cells in an hour. So take 40,000, multiply it by 90, and think about how many skin cells by the end of tonight will be floating in this building. Dead skin cells. Okay. How many of y'all, you, you, you like to, I, my phone is back there, but how many of y'all like to spend some time on your phone? You like to communicate with people? Hold your phones up in the air. Because you're going to need to hold your phones up in the air when you read this next inconvenient truth. It's that the average phone has 400 times more bacteria on it, bacteria on it than, the, than a pub, the average public toilet. So there are a lot of truths that we would probably just like to forget. Because sometimes the truth hurts. Or sometimes the truth is germy. Or sometimes the truth produces a hairball in your stomach that you didn't even know existed fast food eaters. But uh, tonight, more so than just talking about truths about food and germs and that kind of stuff, um, we're, we're continuing our Love Where You Live series by talking about loving people with the truth. The first week we talked about how we're supposed to love our neighbors. And our neighbors aren't just the people we like. They're everyone God brings into our lives. Last week, remember Hunter, didn't Hunter do a great job on the lesson? Uh, last week, Hunter uh, talked about how we're not called to handle toxic people, we're called to love toxic people. We were in Romans chapter 12. Tonight, we're talking about how if, you're, if we're going to love where we live, it's not just good enough to be nice. We have to love people with the truth. We have to love people with the truth. What happened to truth anyway? These are some, I'm a statistics guy if you can't tell. I looked up statistics on hairs and food and bugs and food and all this other. Here are some statistics that are a little more on the serious side. The first is that today, today, today's teens, Gen Z, you're more likely than older adults to say you interact with people who don't understand or share parts of your identity. That just means there are a lot of different people with a lot more different beliefs than your parents ran into. There are a lot more people that live different kinds of lifestyles than when your parents were teenagers at school. So, so you, you're living in a different kind of time. Teens, according to Barna Research, only 64, or excuse me, only 34% of your generation believes that lying is morally wrong. You think that oh, it's, it's okay not to tell the truth 
because maybe the circumstance warrants it. Like maybe, maybe it's, it's okay every once in a while to not tell the truth and to lie about something. And this one, this one really hit me. It's that more than half American teens, actually 58%, agree with this statement. Many religions can lead to eternal life and there's not one true religion. So most of you, the reason that you came here is because you are a, you are a Christian, you're a believer in Jesus. But it's, an, it's important for you to remember that most of the people, many of the people at least that you come in contact with, the teens that you come in contact with, they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They believe there are multiple different ways to eternal life. Your parents, when they grew up, they were living in what we call relativism, which means that, well, everybody's trying to get to the same destination. Everybody's climbing a mountain, but some people are climbing up this way, and some people are climbing up this way, and everybody ultimately wants to get to heaven and spend eternity with God, but everybody's just taking a different path to heaven. That was your parents' gen... Excuse me. I had too much of that fast food. I'm not for sure what that is. Jordan will figure it out. Um... Uh, that, that, all, that, that really threw me. That all, that your, when you're, your parents' generation, they believe that everybody was kind of trying to reach the same destination. They just had a different path. Your generation says, I'm climbing my own mountain. I'm trying to get to my own destination. I got my own way to get to it. And if you try to tell me how I should live my life, you're a hater. You know what I mean by that? You, you understand where I'm coming? So the question is, what happened to truth? And sometimes as Christians, we feel like, well, maybe it is unkind for me to tell people that they need to believe in Jesus in order to go to heaven. Maybe it is unkind for me to take God's word and say, this is what's true and this is how I'm gonna live my life and I would encourage you to live your life according to what is true. Is it, is it unkind to correct people? Is it unkind to provide godly advice to other people? Should we just stay out of their business, let them live their life the way that they should live? Is that the most loving thing to do? I wanna to submit to you tonight this. If we had to boil it all down to one little sentence, it's that friends tell the truth about God and each other. That if you wanna be loving, if you wanna be kind towards your friend or toward the people that God brings in your life, if you wanna love where you live, you have to love people with the truth by giving them the truth about God and about us. So if you have your Bible, open up to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs is a great book. Here's a little life hack some of you may, may, may like to know. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. In most months, there are 31 days out of the month. We're in a 30-day out of the month. month. This month is September. But next month, October, has 31 days. What you may want to do, because Proverbs are full of wisdom, read a chapter of Proverbs a day. So today, uh, today is September 28th. You could read Proverbs 28. It would take you, it, it would take you probably two minutes to read Proverbs chapter 28. And there's so much wisdom because it was written from a father to a son. It was written by Solomon, who we believe to be one of the most, if not the most wise man to ever live. And he's writing these Proverbs, these wise sayings to his son under the inspiration of God. God, God led him to write this. And Proverbs are kind of cool because they're just like all over the place. Anybody, any all, you're, you kind of got that ADD thing going on? Like you're here, then you're here, then you're here, and you're like, oh, squirrel. Like, like it, 
Proverbs kind of gives off that vibe because it touches so many different life issues that you run into all in like one chapter, in one proverb. It's awesome. So I highly suggest you read a proverb a day. But in Proverbs chapter 27, it hits lots of different issues. But one of the issues that it keeps coming back to is how friends should tell each other the truth. And there are two key verses in Proverbs 27 that tell us about how we should love people with the truth and they're found in verses 5 and verses 6 and I have them on the screen and uh, oh I dropped everything I have them on the screen so maybe you have them in your Bible maybe you want to look on the screen but I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray so even though this is a shorter passage I just want to remind us this is God's word this is his word to us so as we read it let's focus in let's respect and honor God's word Proverbs 27 Starting in verse 5, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Since that's such a short verse, I want to read it one more time so that we can really be thinking about it. Okay, So, so read along with me in your mind. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So let me pray for you guys and we're gonna dig in. Um, God, this is one of the harder truths, one of the harder passages of scripture and topics that we have to, that, that, that we have to, to face um, as a student ministry um, this year. Uh, so God, I pray that you'll remove distractions. I pray that you'll give us focus. I pray that your Holy Spirit um, will teach us as, as, we, as we read and talk about and meditate on your word. Um, God, I pray that through this, through the reading of your word and through the, the diving into it and the explanation of it and the exposition of it, God, that you'll, you'll give us courage and that you'll give us strength to stand on your word and to be people who are people of truth because it's the most loving thing we can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So Proverbs chapter 27, these two verses, it's interesting. And how many of y'all have ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? You've played that game before. Uh, some of you are really good at it. Some of you have some really interesting truths that I would have never guessed to be true. Um, but you play, you've played two truths in a lie. If you never played the game, you kind of go around the room and, and everybody's supposed to share three facts about themselves, two of the facts being true, one of the facts being a lie, and then people have to guess which one is the lie. Right? Um, in this section of scripture, as we look at it, I want you to think about this, how in this section of scripture, there are two truths and a lie. When I say that, I don't mean that, there is, that, that, that God through Solomon is lying in scripture, but he's exposing a lie that is very common in our culture and was very common back then. So as we read through here, I want to show you the three, the, the three things that it addresses. I want to see if you can pick out which one is a truth and which one is a lie. If, if we had to outline these, three, these two verses, we'd find three kind of facts, three things at stake. The first is the truth hurts, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Truth hurts. Love means approval. It talks about kisses. It talks about hyping people up. And the third is the truth heals. Which one of these do you think is the lie that the Bible exposes? Does the truth hurt? You hold, hold it up there. Will you, 
No, no judgment if you get. So I see a lot of twos. Either that or you're just peace in the Middle East. But I think, I think you're saying two, right? So you, you are, you're exactly right. Uh, you're exactly right. The, the lie here, the big lie um, that it exposes is that truth uh, is, excuse me, that love means approval. So we're going to look at each of these three facts and demonstrate why the most loving thing you can do is be honest and truthful with people in your life about God and about each other. So let's dive into the first one. The truth hurts. I didn't know that, um, uh, that, that yeah, I didn't even plan to put this up here. Luke's got like a perfect knee injury that matches this picture. Um, but um, but you, ever, you ever scrape your knee? When, you remember when you were a kid and you scraped your knee and you were just like, it, you thought your life was coming into an end. They're like, get me on the ambulance, put me in the meat wagon, get me down to the hospital. Like, like put the little things on me, you know, like, like remember you remember when you were a little kid? Like you, you thought you were dying when you skinned your knee, right? The truth hurts. Have you ever thought about how much sometimes the truth hurts? Have you ever had someone tell you something and you know it's true, but you hate the fact that they told you that. Like, you, 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 it's, it's just worse that somebody else told you what was true and you didn't find it out on your own. Yeah, anybody ever like that? You just get so ticked off that you'll just like dig in and be like, no, it's not. You're like, you, somebody will tell you the sky is blue and you're like, no, it's red. It's red. It's red. Like, you just love, like, you can't admit that somebody else is right. Look at this, look at this verse here and, and kind of look at what's going on here. It says, uh, better, it, let me change my color here. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Do you know what a, a, a rebuke is? A rebuke is a truth statement. It simply means to correct someone based on what's true. Have y'all ever been rebuked? Oh, I know you've been rebuked. You have parents. I know you've been rebuked, right? Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. But what does it say about this rebuke? It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Rebukes cause wounds. They hurt. The truth can hurt. Um, I, I looked up this word for wound to find if there's some really awesome meaning. And it literally just means a, a, an injury. <laughs> like that you can see. It means a, a cut, a scrape, or a bruise. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So it got me thinking, why does, why does truth hurt? Why is, it, why, why, why is it so true that truth hurts? Well, think about some of the truths that we know to be true, some of the things we know to be true based on God's word. Truth is exclusive. In John 14, 6, Jesus very explicitly says he's the only way to heaven. He leaves no room for like a second option or a third option. Deuteronomy chapter six, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. The Lord is one. There's no other God. There's no other way to God. You share that news in a group full of people and they may think you're pretty close-minded, right? They may not like the fact that, 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 that you say Jesus is the only way because they're, go, they're, they're trying to connect with like auras and spiritual things through like rocks and being in weird places. Like, 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 like they, they may not like the fact that you know the truth because it's exclusive. The truth also exposes our sinful nature. You know, sometimes I read the Bible and I realize, oh man, I messed up here. I messed up there. Hebrews chapter four says this, that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it exposes the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We like to cover up what's wrong in our lives, but truth is, almost, truth is like a light and it shines. It's like when you, I've been in some places before, on some trips before, where you turn a light on in a room, you see cockroaches going, 
You know, when the light comes on, the cockroaches retreat, but you see them. Light exposes dirt. It exposes things. You ever wonder why the nice sit-down restaurants, the lights are real low? Because they don't want you to see how dirty the floors are, right? But truth exposes sin in our lives, and we don't want, we don't want the, the sin, we don't want the wrong in our lives exposed. Truth hurts because it bruises our pride. There are times where I'm getting ready to pull out, and I'm inching out, and April's like, there's a car coming. I didn't see the, is she in here? I didn't see the car. She, she, she's coming back in a minute. I, I didn't see the car. But I'm like, I know. You know, like, I don't want anybody to tell me something that, 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 that I don't already know. Like, I get, pretty, I get pretty upset. It bruises my pride because you may not know this, I'm the best driver to ever live. Like, like, I'm right up there with Ricky Bobby. Like, I'm the best driver to ever live. So when somebody, somebody hurts my pride when they tell me a car's coming that I didn't see. Truth hurts our pride. It threatens our plans. I, always, I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 19. It says, many are the plans in a Lord, in, 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 many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. God laughs at our plans sometimes. And when we see the truth, we realize our plans are misguided. Our plans are wrong. And truth also shows us how little our efforts measure up to God's holiness. Isaiah chapter 64, he said, we learn that our righteousness, our good works, it's like filthy rags. So some of us, we, we're really, you know, we, we really like to hype ourselves up about, hey, I'm, I'm a part of the underwater basket weaving club at school. You know, I, I help Grandma Fanny across the street every week. All the, all the um, teachers and all the administrators at my school think I am just the best little high schooler to ever grace the halls of Cabell Midland High School. Like, I'm a good kid. But then we look at the Bible where God says, be holy for I am holy. And we're like, wow, I don't measure up. So most of us, by our nature, we are allergic to truth. Truth hurts. So you would say, Matt, why in the world if truth hurts would it be loving for me to share truth, for me to tell truth to someone else, for me to tell them that Jesus is the only way to heaven and without Jesus, they're lost and they're gonna go in eternity to a place called hell because of that very reason. The most loving thing you can do is show people how they can be saved and show people how they can live uh, right with God. So we see the first thing, and it's the truth. Truth hurts. And some of us sometimes are more afraid of hurting our friends than pointing them to the place where they can find healing. So truth hurts. Here's the lie. Here's the lie. Truth, or, whoa. I missed it. There it is. I was looking for the lips. The lie is that love means approval. The more I was looking at those lips, when I was, the more they creeped me out. So I, I don't know if they're creeping you. I just seen those like pretty big on the screen there. Anyway, um, so look back here in the passage. It says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. We'll come back to that. Faithful are the wounds of our friends, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We have greetings that we do in our culture, and most of the greetings are like a fist bump, handshake. But in the first century, and in the ancient Near East, when, when Proverbs was written, the greeting was a kiss. Nah. <laughs> Judah was like sweating bullets. The greeting, and in the Middle East, in many places, it, that is still a standard greeting. It's totally normal for two men to come up to each other and they grab each other sometimes by the shoulders or by the cheeks. They don't kiss on the lips, that's weird. They, they put their cheeks together and they, they go. That's weird for us. 
Like, don't you, any of y'all be trying that on me tonight, okay? Yeah, 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 your lips may meet my fist, right? Um, but, but back then, that was the normal thing. That was a handshake. You know, a handshake is supposed to mean something, but it's kind of a formality, you know? How many of y'all have shaken hands with people you have no idea who they are? Well, you know, like, you're like, I don't know you, but I guess you're an okay person. It was the kiss then, it was a greeting. It was a formality. It was a nice thing to do. And it says profuse, which can mean many or multiplied or multiple. I can't spell. I think that's multiple. Multiple are the kisses of an enemy. It means that, this, that, that someone who does not like, who is really your enemy, who's really bad in your life, or if you're bad in somebody else's life, it means that you just go through the formalities of being nice to people and maybe hyping them up, but you would never share truth with them. You would never expose something in their life that would be wrong. It says profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And you know what this word enemy means? Quite literally translated, it means hater. You know the hater is going to hate, 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 right? Some of you, yeah. Eliana knows where I'm going with that one. Um, but our, our culture has it flipped. Our culture has it flipped. I wrote it out because I'm, I don't want to say it wrong. Our culture has it flipped. Our culture says that friends approve of your life no matter what you do and haters are the ones that correct you. But the truth, according to God's word, is that friends provide correction in each other's lives. Haters are the ones who approve. Why? Because when you just kiss, when you just greet people in a nice way, what you're doing is you're hiding true love from them. So if we're going to love with the truth, love does not mean approval. You hear this a lot. Well, if you love me, you'd approve of what I do. Well, maybe I love you enough to tell you that what you're doing is taking you down a path that's gonna cause regret and is gonna cause pain, is gonna take you away from God. That's tough. So what, 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 how does that work out in real life? Well, think about some of you have a friend who has gone out with quite a few boys or gone out with quite a few girls. And she has a type you gotta I have to stop elbowing each other. Yeah, you're, 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 you're not supposed to like literally wound your friend, right? Um, uh, but maybe you know someone who they go out with, it's the same guy, only a different name. Like it's the same guy. Like, 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 like he, he, he's, he's, each one is just as big of a jerk. There's no respect for boundaries. Uh, um, you, you know, it's verbally abusive, whatever it is. And as soon as she breaks up with Brad, she goes out with Thad, and then she goes out with Chad. It's like the same guy. So, so think about it. What culture would say to do is, you know, she goes out with the next guy, she goes, dumps Brad, and then she goes right out with Thad. You just hype her up and be like, girl, I'm so glad you're happy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna repost your, 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 your most recent Instagram post to you with your boy, new boyfriend on my story, and I'm gonna give you hype, and I'm gonna get you, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to just support you as much as I can, but you know where it's gonna end up, right? Thad is gonna end up exactly where Brad was three months ago, and Chad was a year ago. Right? And that's kind of funny, but wouldn't the, right? wouldn't the loving thing to do be like, hey, have you noticed there's a pattern here? Have you heard what Fad's ex-girlfriend has to say about him and the things that he said and the things that he did? Wouldn't that be the most loving thing to warn your friend? Think about 
how so many people right now are struggling with their identity, specifically struggling with their gender identity. And what the world is saying is the most loving thing you can do is if, if, if she's a girl and she wants to be a boy is just to support her and rally for her and say, you go, not go girl, but you go and do your thing and be who you want to be. But did you know that 95% of people who struggle with gender dysphoria, that will resolve itself by the time they turn 18? But what the, what, what the world is saying is, you know, take the drugs, get the surgery, do irreparable damage to your body and to your mind and to your spirit to resolve an issue that can only be resolved by finding your identity in Jesus. Do you see how everything is so inside out and so upside down in our world right now? And people need the truth. They need to see that they were created in the image of God. Love does not mean approval. And we should be kind and we're gonna talk about that, but love does not mean approval. Love means giving people what they need to hear and reminding people who they can be in Jesus, giving them the gospel, giving them the good news, showing them the path that God has for them to live. I hope I didn't make too many people mad after that. Um, before we get into the final truth, I just wanna share something. Isaiah 53.5 talks about some other wounds. You know, Jesus was kissed by an enemy. Jesus had an enemy that sold him out, pretended to be his friend, turned him into the authorities who would end up putting him to death. And Jesus in Isaiah 53 verse five says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we were healed. Through the gospel, we see that Jesus was betrayed by the kiss of a hater, but he died for us and he took the wounds for us. Truth hurts, but the big truth is that Jesus took the pain and the hurt and the curse of sin on our behalf and that's made available to anyone who believes in him. The final truth is that truth heals. Here's the good news. You say, Matt, this has been bad news. I wanna show you a word that is really encouraging. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's the Hebrew word, and it literally sounds exactly like it's spelled, oh man. You ever do something stupid and you're like, oh man. That's literally how you say this word. It's really easy to say. It was made for a West Virginian to say. Everybody say it, oh man. Okay, what this word means, it means, it can mean several different things, but it means loyal, it carries the picture of a foster mom or specifically a foster dad who takes in someone who can't take care of themselves and nurtures them and invests in them and helps them to grow and become strong. That's what the word here means. So faithful are the wounds of a friend. When we think of a wound, we think of something that hurts and we think of something that is, that is, deconst that is like deconstructive. But what the truth is, when we give people truth and it hurts at the beginning, what we learn is it's a healing. Some of you like to go to the gym. Who here likes to go to the gym? Who likes to get gains? You know what happens when you, when, never skip arm day, right? You know what happens when you, when you hit arm day and you do, the, you, you, do, you, you, you do some, Jordan knows what I'm talking about. You do some concentration curls. You, know, you do the reverse curls. You, know, you do the hammer curls. What ha, what, how do your biceps feel the next day? They hurt. But you do it day after day and you start to get some guns. 
right? Because the pain turns into healing. When the body heals itself, it grows stronger. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It means to support, confirm, be faithful, to be carried by a nurse, to be made lasting, to be made reliable. How does the truth heal? How does the truth foster? Few ways. It shows you the way to heaven, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Through the truth, people can, people can have an eternal home in heaven promised to them when they die. Through the truth, there's a way to joy. Jesus compared lear- learning the truth of who he is in the gospel to, to, to finding buried treasure in a field and how much joy it brings. It's the way to meaning in life. It's the way to freedom in life. John 8, 32, 31, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I can't help but wonder, why is it that one out of every two teenage guys, Christian teenage guys, are addicted to pornography? Maybe it's because they don't have friends in their life telling them the truth. The truth will set you free. It's the way to purity. Psalm chapter 119, verse nine, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Your word is truth. It's the way to God. Psalm 145, verse 18. Through your truth, I will know you. It's the way to God. The truth can heal. What we know about God, what we know about Jesus, it is literally the best news your friend, your family member, the person you know could ever receive. But instead of opening it up, we tuck it away. The truth heals. And God wants you to be the person to to share the truth. Look down a couple verses in your Bible. I lost my place, but I got it right here. Look at Proverbs, look at verse, uh, verse number nine of that, Proverbs 27. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron. Some of you, were any of you here when I brought the blacksmith in that one time when we talked about this verse? There's a, there, there's a, a scorch mark on, here on the carpet from where we brought the, black, the blacksmith in. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I want to just ask you this point of question. If they don't hear the truth from us, how will they find it? How will they find it? So how are we going to share the truth with people? Thrift store homecoming. I've got some F words. All right. Cade's excited. The first F word is first things first. We have to grow in the truth ourselves before we can share the truth with others. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Lord, or prayed, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. I think about how Jesus told us that before we judge others, before we correct others, we need to get the plank out of our own eye, the, the beam of wood out of our own eye before we take the speck of dust out of the other person's eye. We need to make sure we're people of the truth. Before we can even think about correcting others, leading others to the truth, we gotta make sure we're walking in truth. The next, um, there were the verses, is foster. It's that word foster. If we're gonna give people the truth, we have to build their trust. Trust takes time to build. The next one is finesse. Everybody say finesse. I like saying that word. It's just fun to say. Hey, we don't have time to get into it tonight, but some of you need to flip to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The book of 1 Timothy is Paul writing to this young pastor named Timothy. And the whole point of this book was there are people teaching bad doctrine, bad teaching, wrong teaching about God in your church and around you, and you need to correct them. So I'm like, oh man, I just got a license to kill. Like I just got a license to just 
pop a cap in these heretics, right? And, and some of us, we, we hear something like that. You need to correct people. And we're like, oh, baby, you, I'll correct you. I'll correct you. I'll correct you. I see the sin in your life, and I see the sin in your life, and I see the sin in your life. I'm kind of enjoying this. Paul reminds Timothy, hey, the goal of this command is love that comes from a pure heart. I actually got the verse right here. The goal of this command is love that comes from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. Proverbs chapter 25, maybe a page back in your Bible, it says this, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of, uh, or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Look at that word, a word fitly spoken. I'm starting to learn this now. I didn't always know this. Sometimes there's a time to just shut up. Sometimes the right truth at the wrong time does not accomplish what you think it needs to accomplish. We need to understand how people feel and how people are doing. And we need to be sensitive to, to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit as to when is the right time to speak to this person. We need, to say, we, need, we need to finesse this. We need to be careful in the way. We need, uh, Galatians chapter six, verse one says that if a Christian falls into sin, spiritual people should gently restore them. Not kick them while they're down. Gently restore them. So we, there needs to be some finesse. The next is we gotta focus. Listen, the whole point of this, don't miss the point, okay? The point of this is not that you just need to convert people to your opinions, the point of this is not to try to turn people into little Republicans or little Democrats or yeah, little Harry Styles fans or whatever it is that's your thing, okay? The world doesn't need your thing. The world needs the gospel. So I wrote it like this. Focus on the gospel. If they're gonna be offended, let it be by the cross, not your opinions. Pastor Lemming's like killing it the past few weeks talking about this. And this was the verse that he, he, he kind of featured last, this past Sunday. And it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but those who of us who are being saved is the power of God. If they're gonna be mad at you, let them be mad because you shared the gospel, not because you're a jerk. The next step forward, fearless. At some point, at some point, you gotta speak the truth with the confidence and authority of God's word. Here's the incredible thing. You have the truth. You don't have to, we shouldn't be arrogant. We shouldn't be a jerk about this, but you don't have to wonder if you have the right truth. You've got it. You've got it. So you, you can't, be, I don't know how many times I feel like I need to say this. Don't be a jerk about it, but you can be confident, not in yourself, but you can be confident in God's word about it. People may shut you down. People may not want to hear what you have to say, but you can know that what you're speaking is truth. Then the final one is faithful. I don't have a verse for this one, but this is just an encouragement from one older brother in Christ to some younger brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be discouraged. Never stop loving where you live. I believe we're living in a time where it's harder than ever to be a teenager who's a Christian. I, maybe you don't feel that, but I, I feel that watching you and talking to you. It's harder than ever to be a Christian. Don't be discouraged. This is what God has called you to do. And just like Mordecai said to Esther in Esther chapter four, God has brought you to this point in 2022 for such a time as this. Don't be discouraged. Don't back down. The most loving thing you can do is to give people the truth. So let me pray and we'll get out of here. Um, God, thank you so much for 
the fact that we can know the truth. Um, God, we see people in the media and we see people on social media trying to figure out what's right and wrong or trying to figure out what the best way is to live. And God, thank you that we have your word. Thank you that we have your truth. Thank you that we don't have to wonder how we're supposed to live. Thank you. We don't have to wonder what is to come, what is, what is what we have to face in the life to come. Thank you that we can have assurance in knowing that our salvation is settled forever in heaven. But God, we we brush shoulders with and we interact with a lot of people who don't have the assurance. They don't have the confidence that we do. And we live in a society that tells us just shut up. Don't share your truth or don't share the truth of God's word. God, I pray that you'll give us boldness, but that we'll do it in a gentle and kind way. That we'll share the truth of your son in a way that your son would share it. But God, I pray that we won't be discouraged. And I pray that we won't back down, that we will love where we live, and that ultimately that will involve us loving people with the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.